We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kearney. Joining us for this episode is Abdul Faisal Chipsa. His new role is a high-performance specialist at FIFA, working alongside Arsene Wenger, believe it or not. He's also recently worked at the head of academy recruitment with Charlotte FC and MLS. And when we were talking about the interview, that's where he was. So a lot of this interview is about youth level, talent identification, recruitment. He's also worked as a regional academy scout at the Philadelphia Union in the MLS. He's also worked at the college level as well. So we talk about evaluating talent. We talk about what talent needs to get to the next level. And we also talk about his new role at FIFA. Love this chat. We'd love to hear your thoughts. At Gary Kearney on Instagram. At Gary Kearney on Twitter. Also, before we start, please check out the new book, Modern Soccer Coach Detail. If you're a fan of the podcast and you enjoy it, you will love the book. It's got insight on psychology, tactics, data, culture, training. We've even put social media in there. All these episodes, all the takeaways, sometimes they go on top of one another and it's hard to keep up with it. So we've decided to put a book out that not only has the theory of ideas that all these great minds have shared on the podcast, but also then how do they fit together in a real environment on a daily basis. Really enjoy putting it together. You can now order the book. It's available in Europe. It's available in Canada. It's available in the US and it's also available in Australia. So it's available almost worldwide. And you'd also be supporting all these podcasts and all the work we put out on Modern Soccer Coach. ModernSoccerCoach.com slash shop. Please check it out. Before we start, a quick apology. There is slight delay and echo on my mic for this one. I've tried to clean it up as best I can, but if you bear with me, it's just with the questions. Abdul's audio was absolutely brilliant. So apologies about that there. We'll get it fixed for the next time, but it's only further questions. Thank you. Abdul, thank you for joining me on the Modern Soccer Coach podcast. Finally, finally, excited to get you on. Yep, yep, we're here. We made it. It's been a long journey, but we are here. We are here. Good to be here with you, Gary, again. So we just had a chat there before, and, and obviously huge, huge congratulations on the new role uh, with FIFA. And leaving a role with Charlotte uh, that you really enjoyed. So I suppose we'll do a little bit of a development chat. Let's chat about the Charlotte uh, experience first and the recruitment element through Academy. And what was the starting point there? And and how would you describe the last 10 months? Um, No, it's been great Uh, for me. I was just jumping out of uh, the, the college game um, at that time, before I took the role here, yeah. and uh, I must say this many thanks to uh, Matt Nichols and, and Dan Lux who brought me in um, to that recruitment role. 
um, it was something that I, I really wanted to do. Uh, again, if you've been in the college game for a long time, at some point you, you begin to ask yourself, you know, what's next? And uh, this became uh, of interest uh, for me. So I jumped on opportunity. I came here and it was a brand new club uh, when I came in. Uh, we just got the, the franchise, obviously. Um, so really it was time for me to kind of uh, build something from scratch. Um, especially in the equipment department here in the academy because uh, I was the first person hired in that role. Um, so there was nothing really built when I, when I came in. Um, so that was a challenge for me, trying to build something from, from the beginning. And uh, I've been very happy with uh, what, what we have achieved so far uh, up until now. Talent assessment is, is a really, really hot topic in, in the U.S. especially because so many people, I know going through the college, so many people value the, the physical side of the game on players and that's the nature of this highly transitional game that we have. When you look at the academy through the MLS, what are you prioritizing or how are you figuring out what players are going to invest in time and energy moving forward? Um, I, I think I can understand why most people will look at the physical side of, of the player, um, because if you look at the, the league itself, it's a very, very physical league, um, very demanding. Um, so if, uh, if the academy is to produce players for the first team, then obviously you want to produce players that fit into, into the league, which is the MLS. So I would say uh, it's important. But obviously, uh, I think it comes down to to what you believe in, what your philosophy is, how you want to play. If you want to lean more on the physical side, if you want to lean more on intelligence or technical side, I think that's that's what it comes down to. And and for us, yeah, yeah, at Charlotte, um, our game model really is about the the intelligence and, and the technical execution of the player. So when we are, are looking at players, especially at that at a young age. Uh, we tend to look more about the intelligence first. Um, obviously, depending on the ages and the stages, uh, sometimes we look more at, at effort than, than execution. And if the kid is younger, um, the effort for us is very important based on intelligence and the decision-making side. And then if you're looking at somebody more in the middle, maybe you want to combine both. Uh, is he making the right decisions and is he able to, to execute his decisions? Um, in all areas under pressure without under pressure. So it, it would come down to what you believe in and how you want to play at the end. Um, and then I think you would you know, you, you would go with that. I wouldn't say one is, is better than the other. It just comes down to what you believe in and what you think it takes to play uh, your game in, in the league, I would say. Again, another nice hot topic uh, that amongst coaches is always the parent influence in the US and the, the parents are really, really close to the experience of the player, even throughout college is what I found. When you're looking at the professional, young professional player and through academy, what role does the parent have and how do you facilitate and navigate around that? I think they play a key role. Um, if you look at the, the environment that shapes the player, I think you would want to include uh, the, the parents in there. Um, obviously, these kids are spending more time with, uh, with their parents at home. I'm sure they're talking about the game and, you know, uh, every uh, parent thinks they know one, one or two about the game and they want to offer advice. 
um, you can't take that away from them. So I think yeah, you can actually look, look at that and, and say, uh, uh, educate the parents, I would say, just so they can be on the same page um, uh, with the club as to what we are talking and what we are trying to teach. Um, so it's important that you we admit that parents play a role. Um, so if we can educate them and, and kind of speak the same language as we are speaking at the club with the kids at home, I think it's a bonus for us. Um, at the same time, when, when we do IDPs with these kids, we want the parents to sit in as well because we, we look at the development as a player holistically and not just what we see on the pitch. Obviously, what goes off uh, goes on off the pitch is, is important as well. So, and and the parents play a key role. So, yes, you admit to that, but then find a way uh, to to win them out say on your side, and hopefully they can preach the same message that we are preaching to to the kids uh, when they are with us at home. When you're looking at, at recruitment, how do you balance long term of seeing the player in five or ten years physically? with the short term of you know they've got to be good enough to to get in with a skill set of some kind how do you navigate through that that's always a tough one i think uh every scout will tell you um if there was a formula to do this uh, i think it would be easy unfortunately that's not the case if you're looking at you know performance versus versus potential there um i think a lot of this comes with with the experience though and sometimes uh, I know my our technical director Mark used to say, just pay attention to your instincts. You know, if you believe that a kid that you're watching now, you think he's got it, okay, bring him in. Let's take a look. Um, and it's tough to get it right within you know a short period of time. Uh, if you look at the landscape here as well, I think we we get it wrong more than more than we get it right because of how you know. We, recruitment works here with um, the kids we just don't get enough time i would say as we would want to to observe kids to to collect more information more importantly on on, on their character uh, not so much in the field because you can see that but for us um it's more about recruiting a person than 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 uh, i would say the, the athlete not to say the athlete that athleticism is not important it is important for sure but i think if you get the character wrong, that goes a long way than, than getting what you see on the pitch. Um, and ultimately, you just have to to measure what you see now against what we have in the club, and, and you make a decision. You look at areas that you probably need to, to strengthen more and areas where uh, becomes of importance for for the player and the club as well, and and I would say just just go with what you think. You're never going to get it right. That's the thing. You, know, you can bring in a Gary now, who you think is world class, but then in the next five six years, Gary may change. Gary may not want to do this anymore. Or Gary <laughs> Gary wants to do something completely different. Or Gary may not like the environments that he's in, and that all that goes into uh shaping the player uh for the future so the 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 short answer is you're never going to get it right yeah i don't think 100 percent you will but you try as much as you know to to pay attention to your instincts and um get as much information as you can prior to to bring the player in and then the rest you you just do what you believe is right and hopefully you know everything comes to um, the conclusion in a positive way, but it is a tough one. We're trying to predict 
um, the, the future of a player, no matter what the player looks like. It is a tough one to do. Yeah, I I really enjoy recruitment at senior level, and I didn't enjoy it in college. Thought it was a bit too much like sales, thought you were selling the school, a lot of traveling, a lot of parent conversations. You worked in college and obviously went through that as well. Did you enjoy it at college? Was it something that appealed to you? The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a tough one. And that's just straightforward. Uh, and I'm yeah. sure every every college coach would agree to this. Um, it is more of a sales speech, and you're right. Um, the competition is, is huge. Um, almost all the colleges are looking at the same place, and that's just the, the truth. Um, so sometimes you're forced to, to make a decision when you're not even ready to make a decision. Um, and I know it's just not, I would say, the, 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 the best way to, to do it. Um, so if you do it for you know quite a while, you start questioning yourself, like, are we doing, are we really doing the right thing? So are we just grabbing who we can, who we can get or who is available and not just uh, following the right procedure to, to get the best of the player? So it really is not, uh, not uh, I would say, the good way to, to recruit a player in college. Um, it's more of a sales speech and teenagers, they come with a lot of, a lot of baggage as well, as we all know. So really it's not the most fun thing to do, I would say, but for a starter, somebody looking to get into the job, of course you want to go through that. It's a huge learning, learning experience. And I think it, it's made me as a better scout, um, than, than I would have been if I hadn't gone through that experience. Yeah, my, my best recruiting story is that I went to uh, the grad assistant. I went to a, a tournament in Texas and found an attacking midfielder. Abdul, this kid, was amazing. Number 10, he could move, he could mm. get on the ball. He was uncommitted. So I went back and told my head coach, listen, we, this is the guy. He said, if you trust this, your ability to see it, I'm, I'm going to back you 100%. Yeah. Booked his flight, came in the next week. I went to pick him up the airport. Looked non like him. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been not. <laughs> must have been a different there you player. Go. We, we've, we've all had that at least once or twice in you know experience. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. We had yeah. the same one too. It was a kid who were. Looking at this is actually a, a, a foreign student that we thought, okay, you know, on the CV it looks great. Um, and we we shopped around a bit. We had a lot of people talking about him. We were like, okay, this kid must be great. And then we flew him in for a visit. Everything paid for. Uh, picked him out at the airport, and what we got was totally different from. <laughs> it was just a different. <laughs> uh different kid yeah you probably weigh like 50 pounds more than than what he sent to us and uh, we were like oh never again <laughs> yeah that, that was funny i was yeah. i talked to uh to marlon leblanc yesterday uh at the philadelphia union and he was describing just their environment there and i wanted to get your your take you spent some time there what what was your experience like in philadelphia no, Philly, Philly, Philly is always going to be home for me. Uh, 
the, the, the first thing when you walk into campus, you, you would begin to feel that, that family atmosphere. Um, and, and Tommy and, and Ernst and, and John Shear, the guys have done a really, really good job in, in creating, I think, one of the best uh, academies in, in our country here. Um, and of course, they have all the resources. Um, but I think in, in, in this job, you are as good as your scouts. And that's something that I think Philly has done very, very well uh, in terms of widening their, their um, scouting network. And they have eyes all over the country, um, in open territories, in their backyard. Um, and they do a very good job. And yeah, as you can tell, this be probably the, the only academy that's got the most homegrowns in, in the country. Um, and what I also think they've done very well is, is not only to take from the community, but they've also promoted the game. Um, one thing that they, they, they thought me is, you know, when you go out there as a scout, also look at ways where we can we can grow the game. You know, so areas where you think football is not accessible, what can we do as a club to to bring the game to the kids out there? There could be talent out there. It's just because maybe they haven't had opportunity to play or um, you know enjoy the game in a in a positive environment. That's why they could be hidden. But also look at ways where we can we can uh, change the game, we can promote the game, we can make the game even more accessible. And um, I was happy when they came up with their uh, SWAG program in, in inner city Philly, um, where they've, they've opened up the game, made it cheaper, uh, less expensive for, for more kids to play. And you can you can tell tons of talent are coming from, from such programs. And again, I, I wish uh, most clubs would do that. And that's something I've brought with me to, to Charlotte um, that we are looking to do here as well, not only to, to take from the communities, but also can we can we help grow the game? Can we make the game much more accessible um, to plenty cases as much as we can? And out of which we are hopeful that we would find some, some talent come out of it. So Philly is great. I enjoyed it a lot. I, I thank them for the opportunity. Um, and I, I, again, Again, you can tell the reason why they're they're, they're doing so great yeah, in the country. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a wonderful place to work. Hello, coaches. We'll take a quick break here. If you enjoy the podcast and you would like to support Modern Soccer Coach, you can do both of those things by ordering your copy of the new book, Modern Soccer Coach Detail, which is out now. We've taken all these podcast episodes. We've almost two million listens broken them down and and try to organize them in a way that it's got the psychology it's got the tactical element it's got data culture leadership social media all these things we talk about and that are really really important in coaching today but sometimes we compartmentalize them and we don't really look at how one impacts the other or how we to balance them on a daily basis in a real elite environment so i've put this together uh, alongside my own learnings over the last few years and some takeaways that I've had personally and hopefully there's a little piece of reflection in there as well as well as some insight from all these great minds we've had on the podcast over the last two to three years it's been unbelievable so you can get your copy now modernsoccercoach.com shop it's also available on Amazon really appreciate all the people that have bought it so far if you have bought it please let me know what you think we'd love to hear your thoughts and again, appreciate all the support. Hopefully we've got more and more episodes to come and more and more of these great minds joining us. Thank you very much. ModernSoccerCoach.com slash shop. Thanks. 
you mentioned there earlier uh, about Mark, Mark Nichols, uh, who was worked in, in Seattle and comes with a really, really good reputation from what he's done in the game. What's some things that he, from an environmental or a cultural standpoint, what are some values that he wanted to, to bring into the academy? Mark was all about the people. That's that's one thing that when you when you speak to Mark, you would you would take him with right away. He's all about the people, not so much about the work. Treat people right, be respectful. Um, when Mark walks into the office, he goes around every desk and shake every staff member's hands. You know, checking with you how you're doing, uh, how's the family, um, and that for me is is why most people want to work with Mark and and and. Everybody that I've, I've worked with him, I've, I've said good things. I've enjoyed working with him. Um, and he just makes the job very, very easy. You know, he's not hands-on. He's not micromanaging. Uh, when you go for him for advice, the first thing he's going to ask you is, what do you think? You know, Share your thoughts first before I share mine. Um, and sometimes, a lot of the time, you would realize what you're thinking is right. You probably do not confident enough or probably not. Uh, don't want to share, but then he he brings the best out of you. He makes you that he makes you feel you are in charge, um, and and he gives you confidence to go out there and and try new things. You know, think outside the box and come up with more ideas and and strategies to get the job done. And it's all about it. And and for me, I think when you work for for a boss like that, you're always free to 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 try new things. Um, you're not scared to make mistakes. Uh, commit more errors because you know he's going to back you and uh, he's going to learn together with you uh, on the journey. So for me, he's, 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 he's top class, top guy to work with. Brilliant. Uh, let's talk about the new role now. Give us uh, an overall general. You, you explained to me earlier before we started recording. Uh, explain to the listeners what, what you're doing. Yeah, so it, it's exciting. It, uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to, to meet the guys at the technical division and as i mentioned to you earlier on walking into that environment for the first time you <clears throat> you start to ask yourself questions you know are you really fit enough to be here um but then after a couple you know meetings and, and conversations you realize you know these are just you know, human beings these are just people that are that are still learning the game that are uh, they don't know it all, and they don't. They don't say to you they know it all. They're just open to to learn more ideas, to listen from you, and and pick your brains, and they give you uh, the platform to to share your your voice as well. So, being in that environment in the past couple of weeks have been great. Um, obviously, what what FIFA is trying to do now is um, give every talent a chance. Uh, that's the slogan of. Uh, of the program, the talent development scheme that, that they've put together. It just got launched uh, last week. Um, and what they've done is when, when Arsene came in uh, as the chief uh, of global football uh, at FIFA, uh, one of the things he put with him was, was to maximize every, every potential in every country. You know, he, he thought throughout his years, as we all know, he's given lots of lots of opportunities to kids. Um, and he wanted to do the same on, on the larger scale uh, and with this role with FIFA. Um, so they started with an analysis where you know they invited um, all the 211 member associations to take part in an ecosystem analysis. Uh, 205 countries applied to do that. Um, and each country was analyzed in six key areas from 
management and resources to national teams, to domestic competitions, um, talent identification and development, uh, coaching education, uh, and academies. So these six areas, they analyze all the data collected from the member associations and then kind of put them together and found which areas um, is each member association doing well and which areas do they need to focus more on. Also, in addition to that, they looked at the top countries, what have they done so well? For that matter, they are winning more uh, trophies, producing more top players. And what are the uh, rest of the member associations not doing so well for that matter? How can we help for them to, to catch up? So FIFA, again, wants to bridge the gap between the top 20, I would say, ranked countries. Um, and then the, the, the ones that are outside of the top 20. So out of that ecosystem analysis, they came up with some recommendations um, to every, uh, every country that took part in it. In addition, FIFA also realized that the level, the playing field is not leveled at the moment. Uh, there is a lot of uh, global imbalance um, when it comes to competitions. Um, at the same time, if you look at the FIFA U17, you can probably say maybe four confederations are in there competing for the title. But then when you move to the senior football, it's only two confederations, UEFA and Cottonball really are the ones that have done really well um, when it comes to senior team football um, on the boys' side. And the girls' side, it's kind of similar story where you have UEFA again and then CONCACAF uh, with the US and Canada and, and Mexico being one of the tops. Um, and then the rest of the confederations, Africa, and I mean, CAF and OFC, really, you know, girls' football is not really... Um, at the highest level. So FIFA said, okay, now with all these data collected, what can we do to help the smaller nations kind of catch up with, uh, with the rest of, uh, of the world? Um, so then it came up with the Talent Development Scheme, which is the program that we are, we are working on now with Arsene being the head and Steve Martins, who is the technical director of FIFA. Um, and then Ove Scott, who is the director for the high performance uh, team um, we, FIFA is going to send us a high performance specialist uh, to work directly with, with each uh, member association that wants to be a part of this. Uh, now this is open application. You are welcome as a member association to apply. FIFA wants every association to, to take part, um, just like they had an ecosystem analysis. So after your application, uh, you would be assigned a high performance specialist. Um, there is 15 of us that have been hired um, across the globe. There is a team specialized for Africa, a team specialized for uh, Europe, a team specialized for CONCACAF, CONMEBOL, OFC, AFC. Um, and those high-performance specialists would work directly uh, with the member associations. Now, this is not us going to tell them what to do. This is us going as thinking partners uh, based on the ecosystem analysis that that are was performed. So we look at some of the recommendations that came out from the report, and then we would uh, sit down with the member association and they would pick their own strategic priorities, which areas are much more important for you. And then we would advise, um, you know, if it's a training center that you need to build in your country, okay, 
how can we help you do that? How can you get fit? If it's talent identification that needs to be properly structured in your country, okay, how can we how can we help you in that, that area as well? So the benefits of the TDS, um, there are four areas. One is expertise, which is this high performance specialist us would work directly with you as thinking partners. And then there is training and education pillar that member associations would benefit from. So again, FIFA has all this knowledge collected from all the participating countries. And then on top of it, we have technical expertise as well that continue to analyze games and collect data. They are putting all that together and then feeding it back to all the member associations. Um, some common trends in the game, um, you know, best practices that we've seen some of the top uh, countries done. All this is available for you to learn. On top of it, there are courses that FIFA is going to offer to key staff members in, in the member associations to upskill uh, their, their level there. And again, it's all free for for member associations that want to take part in this. Um, and then the third pillar is about knowledge sharing. So we look at countries that have similar problems and then we can connect them together. Maybe uh, country Gary is facing you know, a problem on how to build strong academies and, you know, USA is probably find solutions to that. We look at, you know, if, if there's a culture or similarity here that we think, okay, the solution here could fit for you, we'll connect you together and then you can talk and then come up with the best of uh, solutions that, that suit them. The unique thing here is this is not a cookie kind of method. FIFA is saying, okay, every country is unique. So, we can't say Belgium did this for that matter. Ghana has to do the same, but at least we can pick something from Belgium and come up with the solution that suits Ghana better than, than, than Belgium. Um, and then the fourth pillar, which for me, I think is the least important is funding because again, most, most, uh, countries think, okay, we need money to do all this, but money without the knowledge and the education, you're probably gonna, gonna waste the, the, the funding here. So, FIFA wants to make sure that the, the knowledge and education is a priority and that countries understand that that comes first. And then if they agree and commit to that, that's when the funding comes in um, for the next four years. Funding would be available for every country that, that takes part in their uh, talent development scheme. Um, but at the end, as I mentioned, FIFA just wants to do this to give every talent a chance boy and girl regardless of where he or she is born um, and for countries they want to maximize their full potential um, in, in the game wow it's amazing amazing initiative yeah. like the the aspect that jumps out to me is well there's two big things first of all it's this it's not a cookie cutter approach because i think over here yeah. with so many resources we've had over the last 15 20 years I think we've chased whoever's hot at the moment, whatever style is hot at the moment, mm -hmm. and it hasn't worked. Yeah. Flavor of the month, I call it. it it's totally different. I, I, I don't think it, it's the right way to do it, obviously. You know, the, the culture, I think, for me is very important. And uh, the kind of players that have been produced in, in Brazil, totally different from what's been produced in, in Belgium or England or Ghana or Nigeria, um, totally different. So I think, uh, you have to look at that first um, and then based on, on what you're producing, 
you can draw, I would say, your, your philosophy based on that. But of course, there are other areas that you can pick one or two from from those countries. But it it, it always comes down to that tailor-made approach. You know, that for me, I think, is the difference. And uh, FIFA really understands that. And that's exactly what, what they are doing with the talent development scheme, yeah. As well, and I never thought of that, but upskilling the coaches in the country because often these federations are gridlocked, aren't they, for young coaches, female coaches to rise up the ranks? Yeah, that that again, that for me is another reason why this this scheme is is so unique. Um, and it, it's not just even coaching; it's all areas we first looked at. Performance analysis, sports science, uh, strength and conditioning—all um, these areas play a, a key role in, in developing a player. So um, they've looked at all these areas, and, and they are ready to to provide knowledge and, and training for every MA um, that really wants to do this. And that, for me, again, I said uh, that the training and education piece is very, very important. Much more important than than uh, than the funding. Um, and really, if you go back to the ecosystem again that was, that was conducted, we, we found out that money and population are not predictors of uh, international success. Um, there are countries, smaller countries with low budget and low GDP, but have produced some of the best players and competed in, in, in the highest stage. And there are countries uh, that have the funding, that have the population, and haven't really done, done anything with that. So. Now we know for a fact that those two uh, are not really uh, predictors of uh, international success. What's Wenger's role? And and like it seems like he's he's gone away, and he he's always had obviously he's a wise man, and he's always had a finger on the pulse in in different countries. Um, has he been over in in different federations? Has he been communicating with them? Yes, he's hands-on. He, he's really very, very much involved in this. Um, we had our regional launch uh, this week, and he's been in every single uh, call with the with the MAs, with the confederations, um, sharing his knowledge, uh, you know, letting us understand why he thinks this is important. Um, and the one thing you, you learn quickly about us is he likes to deal with facts. You know, it's not just me coming into. I'll tell you about my experience and what I've done in the past. He wants the, the hard facts. He wants the data. He wants everything uh, to be factual. And, and, and that, for me, I think is the difference maker. You know, So if you want to have an argument about why this is important, then you have to have facts to back it. He thinks the talent development scheme is a positive project for, for the member associations. But then he said, OK, we have to do an analysis. We have to look at the situation as it is in every country because that's the only way we can find a solution for that. And that's exactly what, what FIFA has done with this, um, starting from analyzing the countries and what they do. Um, Double Pass also played a role in the analysis. They, they, they were invited as, um, as a third party uh, to look at uh, the academies in, in every member association. And obviously, I listened to the interview you had with them on your on your podcast yeah just great by the way um nice, excellent yeah. so uh yeah i knew a little bit of uh, who they are and what they do and, and again that's that's great you know that fifa is pulling from all these areas um to try and come up with the best of uh, solutions and methods of, of doing this 
Arsene Wenger knows a little bit about maximizing talent, doesn't he? And uh, you mentioned there before about the Philadelphia Union having the, the scouts. I mean, just thinking, even I put up a video today of Adebayor, Canu, Fabregas, like the, the yeah. worldwide, the, the variety of different players and talents that he's he's worked with at a young age. Yeah, I mean, if if there is one person on earth to talk about giving young people a chance and, and maximizing potentials, it, it's got to be awesome. Um, we know he's passionate about that. We know he's done it throughout his years uh, as a coach and as an educator. And like I said to you earlier on listening to him speak, it's like listening to God speak. Um, it's just, just wonderful. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, so you, you go to Zurich, you're moving to Zurich, and then you're going to be based at, in, in different places for a set amount of time? No, so I'm actually moving to, to Ghana. Um, oh, okay. I'm part of, I'm part of uh, a team of four that have been assigned to CAF, which is the um, African Confederation. Um, so that's where mostly I would be working. Um, and my member associations that I would be assigned to would, would come from uh, from CAF. Um, but every now and then we would we would travel to maybe Zurich or Germany or Portugal for workshops and, and meetings and stuff. Um, but I would mainly be be, be living in, in Ghana. What type of takeaways, if you could, you know, you're sitting with these coaches from different countries and probably a lot of them have never been to the US but have heard so much about it. What, what would you say that, hey, everyone, this is what the US do really, really well in youth soccer? I would say the, uh, the holistic approach to, to talent development. I would say it's something that uh, it's very unique here in the US. The fact that you, you can combine football and, and, and formal education, I think it's very, very, very important. Um, we were in a technical meeting uh, a couple of days ago and uh, Stephen Martins, who is the technical director at FIFA, shared uh, some fact with us that 0.02% of kids, okay, 0.02% will, will move on to become uh, professional footballers. So 0.02% of kids that are involved in, in grassroots football will move on to become professional footballers. So that really tells you there is a big percentage that would not be involved in the game at the highest level. Now the question is, what do you do with with, with that that good uh, good amount of people? And that's where I think US has done a very good job, where they they have avenues for these kids, whether it's going to college, um, to still play and 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 study, um, or being a lifelong fan of the game. So the fact that you're not putting all the eggs in one basket, uh, I would say, if you compare that to Africa, for instance, not a lot of people actually uh, preach about combining uh, football and, and education. Um, but that's one thing for me that I've picked from here. And I'm a, I'm a good example of that. I've coming from Africa, I always thought I was going to be uh, representing my country in, in the World Cup. Um, I watched my older brother went through the process, um, captained our Olympic team in Ghana, went to the Germany 2006 World Cup. So in my mind, I thought I was going to be oh, the next guy to do that. Um, 
but you learn quickly that you know life is got its own way you know i tried i attempted i probably wasn't good enough who knows um but the fact that i was able to combine football and education now i'm here still working in a game I've, I've worked as a coach i've worked as an analyst i've worked as a scout um and now i'm working for fifa as a high performance specialist so imagine if i had not you know concentrated on my education side and just focused on football i probably wouldn't be here uh, talking to you um, about how to develop talent or identify talent so i think it's one thing that us has done very well and it's one thing for sure that when I go and speak to to member associations, uh, I would really bring that with me and say, look, look at this holistically. It's not just, you know, looking at players for, for the senior national team or to play in a World Cup because the reality is only 0.02% would move on to do that. But the rest, you still have to have a plan for them and make sure that they are uh, set for life, whether they become, you know, administrators of the game, whether they become coaches, whether they become analysts, whether they become referees, administrators, or lifelong fans of the game, they are contributing to the game. And it's very, very important that we focus more on developing the person and the passion. And then the rest, you know, I think would, would come along as you go. So that for me is, is very important. Yeah, you mentioned those different roles you've had in the game. Uh, you're a seriously good example or great example of adaptability. Is that something that you were thinking of early? Oh, I need to get into a bit of this, I need to whatever that, or was that something, is it just naturally happened? Or how has that journey taken the, the form it has? I think naturally it just happens. Look, I'm, I'm a kind of guy that wants to jump on every opportunity. And look, you've been a college coach before, uh, you're doing everything, you know, you're, you're looking at hotels, you're looking at transportation, you're, you're uh, booking rooms, um, you're looking at kids in, in GPA, in school classes, you're doing everything. And that's just, that's just the job, you know, and there's a only small percentage of coaching, as you know, with NCAA rules, the rest is, is just administration. Um, but me, for me, starting uh, as a young, young coach, um, working summer camps, um, being a camp counselor, uh, you know, taking pizza orders in the dorms, ordering kids pizza, it all comes with the job. And, the, you know, you enjoy it as you go. You learn the best out of it. Um, and then it, it's kind of moved on from there. So, again, if I see an opportunity where I think I can learn, I can grab something from this, I'm going to jump on it, even if I'm not skilled in it. I want to make sure that I learn as much as I can. If I need advice, I speak to the right people. Um, and then I make sure I enjoy it. One funny story I'm going to tell you now. Uh, at Delaware, as an assistant coach, um, we lost our goalkeeper coach in the middle of the season. And, of course, somebody would have to, to <laughs> take that role. Um, and then my boss, Ian Hennessy, offered it to me to like, hey, somebody has to do it. I was like, no problem. I'll take it. I've never coached goalkeepers. I have no clue uh, how goalkeepers train. I've only been an assistant coach that loves to give instructions. But I took it. I accepted it. Um, I learned to and I went in and I told the boys, look, you probably know more than I do as a goalkeeper coach. So I'm here to learn from you. And uh, I would do my best to learn as much as I can and seek much information. And then and we we're all going to solve this problem together. Um, at the end of the season, Todd Morton, who was our starting goalkeeper, 
get recruited by gets um, drafted by Real Salt Lake, and I'm like, oh, look at me, you know, <laughs> and, and <laughs> a goalkeeper coach that got forced into the position now, you know, training a uh, MLS draftee. So yeah, just jumping an opportunity that comes your way. Um, you know, approach it with an open mindset. Learn as much as you can. You don't know it all for sure. I still don't think I know it all. And that's one thing I've also picked up working with, with other people I've worked with. They're just going there with an open mindset um, and learn as much as you can and, and see where the journey takes you. The one thing I would say for sure, though, is just be passionate of about everything you do. You know, if you're not passionate about it, then don't do it at all. But the moment you show the passion and you can wake up every morning and, and get to it, and happy to do it, the rest is just going to come. And for me, as I mentioned, all these roles I've played, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. And um, it all helped me into, into the position that I, I am in now. Um, I don't think I'm scared to take on any position. Uh, you know, If you offer it to me and it's an opportunity, I'll take it, I'll learn, and, and uh, I'll maximize that opportunity um, to the fullest. You just showed how easy goalkeeping coaching was. That's, that's what happened. Simple. Huh? <laughs> I wish you were. I wish it was. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, 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 you know, you, you start looking at the game differently. I have a lot of respect for goalkeepers now because, mm. again, if you haven't been in that situation, you don't think of, of it in, in, in that regard at all. But going through that, I'm like, oh, wow, this is totally different. Well, something that's interesting is that. <laughs> You're, again, we've talked a lot about coach education structure. Do, do you think that from a different era of coaching where it is like college coach, pizza orders, do whatever, grab whatever opportunity, we're now, uh, and something I notice, and maybe it's just my perspective, maybe I'm just getting old, but something I notice now is coaches are becoming more formally educated. Some of them want their path to be more linear and clean. And they almost are more risk averse or, you know, uh, well, unless the money's right, you know, do, do you see any of that? Yeah. And that, that's the generation that I, I think we live in now. And it's not only coaches. I see it in players as well. Um, a lot of them feel that way. And, and I think you, you use the right words that they think the pathway is linear. No, it's, it's not. If it's linear, we'd all be, be doing it. Um, but the ones that really embrace the challenge and look at it as ups and downs are the ones that I think uh, would succeed. And obviously, it builds uh, the, uh, the mentality as well. Um, it's never a clean, straightforward pathway. Never. never. And, I think, and it's same like we do in coaching. You, you've experienced more, more than I have done. But you're not only looking at what goes on on the field, you're probably managing 70% of your time what goes on off the field, you know, among the players, you know, what do you have to do to, to make sure this guy is okay and, and happy and accepting their roles and responsibilities. And then if that goes well, then you can get that 30% on the pitch right. But if you just focus on that 30% on the pitch and ignore that 70% off the field, I think you've already failed. Um, but sadly, I think more of uh, what we are seeing now is people just think, okay, I'm going to go get my axis and my horse right, and I'm ready to be a coach. I, I don't think uh, it works that way at all. And that's one thing I'll, I'll love to see in, in coaching courses as well. Um, in those environments, what can we, if it's possible, can they include 
more of that man management side of stuff. Not, you know, I mean, the exercise and those are important. Of course, we can all learn that any day. But those courses don't tell you how to relate to player A or player B or player C when they're different. They don't. But for me, I think it's an area that really needs needs a bit of uh, uh, concentration because if you can get that relationship piece right with the players, there's definitely you're not going to get you know the 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 on the field stuff right. Yeah. So maybe looking into coaching courses, um, that management side of it, there should be more content uh, to be provided to coaches, and that I think people would understand more that. The axis and the O's are just a small percentage, and everybody can learn that. You know, the game is is more open now. There's no secrets. You can watch City, you can watch United, you can watch Charlotte, and within three, four games, you can probably tell their game model. But what you don't know is how that game model was translated from paper to to the field, from theory to to practice. Yeah, that you don't know, and that nobody teaches you. You probably wouldn't know until you you get yourself involved in in coaching before you learn that. But if there's a way where that can be thought ahead to prep coaches, then I think it would be a good a good thing, um, a good thing to do. And learning to almost expect those disappointments. I mean, we're talking about Wenger a bit, and you're an Arsenal fan, and even I know there's times that the the big defeat at Old Trafford, where the poor guy's standing there, and you think he's he's done, Ooh. but. He, he took a lot of heat, didn't he, for a number of years, and probably yeah. we we probably didn't appreciate him until he left. Yeah, and it's such his life, you know. Sometimes, most of the times, you don't know uh, what we have, the value of what we have until we lose it, and uh, yeah. it's a great example of that. You know, I mean, we look okay for now, but I think we we love and respect Arsenal more now as not fans than 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 before, or because of what we are seeing. You know? So you're absolutely right on that. Brilliant. Brilliant. Abdul, thank you so much for jumping on. Um, send me your address and I'll be over in Ghana. You just let me know when to come over. Yeah. <laughs> come on in. The doors are open. Ghana is the uh, is the gateway to Africa, as we say. Um, and I'll, I'll love to, to have you down, Gary. I think you, you would have a wonderful time. You would enjoy huge thank you to abdul for jumping on there i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did absolutely brilliant insight a lot of recruitment chat and talent identification chat is around coaches being absolutely sure about this talent or and why do we overlook these types of players but i thought that was great the humility and the honesty from abdul there and it is really really difficult not just to identify talent but understand and see where it's going to go in the next 10 years with so many different dynamics involved in it so really enjoyed that please before you shoot off if you wouldn't if you wouldn't mind giving us a little mention on social media um and, and promote it with your coaching community would be absolutely brilliant and also please check out the new book modern soccer coach detail you can get your copy on amazon or modernsoccercoach.com slash shop thank you so much see you soon Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.